0: five or six messages on the pillars of our faith. So if you're bored, it's your fault, because this is what you asked for. <laughs> no, but uh, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. In fact, we can summarize the core teachings of Adventism with six S words. Today we're talking about salvation, the foundation. If we don't get salvation right, nothing else matters, Right. We want to make sure we're very, very clear about salvation. But what are some of the other S words within Adventism that summarize our faith? Sanctuary. Okay, I heard Sabbath. I heard state of the dead. Oh, sanctification. Yeah, that's a part of um, salvation itself, and and we could do a whole lot on that. I heard stewardship. stewardship. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to do a sermon on stewardship because I did one earlier, but that's something that we talk about. Um, There's another one. Or two? What about the the second coming of Jesus? Seventh-day Adventists, right? Um, So we have several of these. Next week, we're going to be talking about um, the second coming. And then the week after that, we'll be talking about the Sabbath, and then sanctuary, or the state of the dead, uh, then sanctuary, and we might even touch on spiritual gifts. That's another S one within Adventism. So, I thought it would be fun in this series if we focused primarily on the words and the teachings of Jesus. Now, the whole Bible are the words and teachings of Jesus. Amen? Right. So, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I just want to show you how foundational within like, the earthly ministry of Jesus our core beliefs are. Uh, And this is something that you can share with your friends and people who wonder. You don't have to go to obscure Bible passages to demonstrate the core pillars of our faith. They're found in the words of Christ as he was here on this earth. They're found in the example of Christ as they're here on this earth. Now you might catch me with a stray verse here or there that are outside of that parameter. And sometimes it's for illustrative purposes. But for the most part, we're just going to be parking ourselves in the Gospels and seeing what did Jesus teach on these different subjects. So today we're talking about salvation. And the number one thing, if you're taking notes, I have five main points. The number one thing, well, the first thing I'm emphasizing that Jesus taught about salvation is, number one, that he is divine. Jesus himself is divine. You want to know what his very first words that we have recorded on planet Earth are? His very first words were actually a question to his parents when he was 12. Like, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? Now, he wasn't using the word father casually here. When he in the very first two sentences that we have recorded, he was hinting that he is divine. Now, some people have misunderstood what Christ meant when he called God his father. And it's understandable why people would misunderstand that. Some people think God is literally the Father, God the Father is literally the Father of Jesus, who we also believe is God. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus was taking on the title of sonship, but it didn't mean that he literally was born from God in times gone past. And there are a lot of things that we could illustrate to talk about this. So from the very beginning, I'm on a little detour here, but it's important to make sure we understand this. In scholarly books, they call it an excursus. You're going on this little excursion, as it were, and then you get back to the main point. Um, You know, when Sarah and I, before we even got married, we talked about household roles and expectations. Because you can accomplish things better in your home if you know what's expected of one another. If everybody's trying to do the same job, you know, that other job's not going to be done. Uh, And, you know, even when we go to WinCo, we love to shop there, bulk food, inexpensive prices, and when we go to WinCo, sometimes we divide and conquer, right, we've got a list, okay, you go over there, get these things, I'll be with a shopping cart through here, you can get the job done better when you all have specific roles. So even within the Godhead, we find that they took on different roles to help accomplish the same mission. Now, one of the roles I was thinking about that I do is I'm the garbage man, right? We, Sarah was very clear before we got married. No, no. Now, you're going to be the garbage man. I'm like, okay. So when the garbage needs taking out, that's what I do. But that doesn't make me lesser or better than her because I have that role. It just means that's one of my roles, right? So... Just on this excursus, I'm allowed to use words that Jesus didn't say. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Now, if he's been around from the beginning, that means that he wasn't before the beginning. Right? And then it goes on to say that all things were made through him. So if everything was made through Jesus, And you can see this in other places like Colossians 1, 16 and 17. If everything was made through him, then he couldn't have been a created being. Because everything was made through him. If you've been around from the beginning, if you created everything, then you didn't have a beginning. You've always been. So sonship is a role that Christ took on. uh, And how fitting it is for the role he took in coming to this world. To be born of a virgin to be Son of God. But incidentally, if you can jot this one down, John 5.18, Jesus called God his Father, and the people of his day understood what it meant when he was calling God his Father. If you write this, John, John 5.18, they understood it that he was claiming to be equal with God. When you say that God's your Father, you're not saying, oh, I'm lesser than God, you're saying, I am equal. God, And if you're equal to God, you must also be God. And then in John 14, verses 9 through 10, Jesus said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That's not something I could say of my earthly parents. But that's something Jesus could say because he wasn't born of God. He is God. Okay, end of our detour. Jesus claimed from the very beginning, to be divine. He did that from his earliest statements and then he said a lot of other statements. John chapter 6, verse 38, he said, I have come down from heaven. He wasn't simply a good teacher that was merely from this earth. He wasn't a good philosopher. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven. John 18, 36, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. Not a mere earthly ruler. That's because Jesus is divine. And then... The, the, the statement we're all familiar with in John 8, 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. And people understood what that meant. They, they knew he was identifying himself as Yahweh, the God that spoke from the burning bush to Moses in the beginning of Exodus. And that's why they picked up stones to try and kill him, because they said, This guy has gone too far. But he hadn't gone too far if he really was who he said he was. Right? Or in other cases, Jesus, uh, like in Luke 5.21, who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, When they lowered the paralytic down through the roof, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus knew what people understood about forgiving sins. And that's why, being God himself, he could forgive sins and tell him that sins are forgiven. Uh, But another time that the Pharisees recognize, whoa, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus could have said, hello, here I am. Why do you think I'm doing this? But let's go to John chapter 20 real quick. John 20, verse 18. This is a, a passage that I love. After Jesus was raised back to life. Most of the disciples had seen him, but there was one who had not. Thomas. And Thomas said, unless I see him, unless I put my finger on his side, I'm not going to believe that Jesus has been raised. John chapter 20 and verse 28, rather. Jesus shows up. He says, hey, Thomas, verse 27, do what you said you were going to do. Here's my side. Put your finger in there. And Thomas realized, I don't need to do that. Thomas said to him, verse 28, My Lord and my what? My God. my God. Now, if Jesus wasn't God, he instantly would have said, Don't call me that. I'm not God. Don't call me that. Even, even the angel, John 19, verse 10, or Revelation 19, verse 10, when the, the apostle John falls down to worship him, the angel said, Don't do that. I am just your fellow servant. Worship God. You can see it in that passage. And so if Jesus was not God, he would have said to Thomas, wash your mouth out with soap. There's only God in heaven. But because Jesus is God, he he didn't rebuke him. Verse 29, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So point number one, what did Jesus teach about salvation? Well, number one, he said... And he taught that he is divine. He is God. Number two, he told us that the world needs saving. Hard to be a savior if the world doesn't know it needs to be saved. What did he say in Luke 19, verse 10? He said, The Son of Man has come, I am come, to seek and to save those who are lost. If you're lost, you need saving. The world needed to be saved. Matthew 20, 28, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to ransom, to redeem our lost world. John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Might be saved. Number one, Jesus is divine. Number two, the world needs saving. And number three, he's the only way to salvation. Jesus taught this clearly. Let's go to John 14, verse 6. We could almost do all of our sermon series from the Gospel of John if we wanted to. There's so many good verses that point these things out. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am one of many ways. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the NIV. (laughs) Just kidding. You know, people sometimes, they say, well, what version should I read from? And the answer I like to say, which isn't original to me, is just whichever one you'll read, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I find that that the core understanding of our teaching is found in every translation. And, and if your church is based upon a certain translation of the Bible, then that's, that's a little shaky, right? Uh, and there are benefits, and, and every no translation's perfect. Uh, they all have their drawbacks, but they all have their strengths um, in a certain sense. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way, and I'm it. All roads don't lead to heaven, according to Jesus. Um, The old church, the old Parkwood church, right, where we used to be back in the day, uh, it's now a universalist congregation uh, and I, I'm an acquaintance. I go to a meeting with the pastor and that church teaches basically there's no wrong way. If you've got a path, go for it. It's the right path. And, and that kind of sounds nice, but the reality is that's just not how it works. All foods are not healthy, Right. Poison cannot be helpful for me. If I drink it, it will hurt me. And if I eat the right things, it's going to help me. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Later on in Acts, his disciples pick up on this. They say there's no name under heaven whereby we we must be saved, except Jesus, Acts 4.12. John 10.9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. I'm the way. I'm the door. He made a really exclusive statement, John 6.53. He said, assuredly, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. John 6.66. Some people couldn't handle that statement, and so it says, from that day, many stopped following him. He wasn't saying literally we're supposed to eat his flesh, but he's saying, I'm the way. I'm providing salvation. If you want salvation, it runs through me. Now, excursus number two, because the natural question is, well, what about people in the bushes of South America who've never had the opportunity to hear? And and I don't have a definitive answer, but I have two verses that come to my mind. Uh, and let's go there real quick. If you're still in the Gospel of John, this is easy. John chapter 1, verse 9. Is it possible for someone to be saved who never even heard about Jesus? John 1, 9. It says, the true light that gives light to every man who is coming into the world. Or Christ is the, basically the light that brings light to everyone in the world. So in a certain sense... The light or the truth of Jesus has come to everyone. Through the Holy Spirit, God is trying to work in every person's heart, every person's life. And notice, you know, we all know John 3.16, but look at John 3.19. John 3.19, this is the verdict, New King James. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. If someone's condemned in the judgment, it's not because they had no light given to them and they're just like, I had no idea, God. If somebody is condemned, according to the words of Jesus, it's because whatever light they received, they rejected because they wanted to be in darkness. Now we are blessed with enormous amounts of light. And if we're lost, boy, what a sad tragedy. I mean, it's a tragedy if anybody's lost, but we have such opportunity to receive light. Now, why do we witness if people could be saved? Because, you know, even without hearing about Jesus. Well, the more you know, the easier it is to accept and follow the light, as I understand it. And I believe that there will be people who will be in the kingdom who will be introduced to Jesus but they were following the promptings of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, and they just didn't even realize it. But you know what? It still goes through Jesus. And they're only saved because of the blood of Jesus. So that's the end of detour number two. Can other people be saved? I believe so. But we have a mission, because our job is to give as much light so that people have the best chance of accepting the light. Amen? Amen? Number one, Jesus is divine. Number two, Jesus taught that the world needed to be saved. And number three, he taught that he is the only way to salvation. The only way. Point number four, Jesus taught that salvation is relational. He taught that, to tr- you know, basically, if we truly accept and believe in Jesus, we're going to know him and be known by him. What did he say in Matthew chapter seven at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? He said, many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these good works in your name? And Jesus will say to them, assuredly I say unto you, I do not know you. Well, it's possible to be doing aggressive evangelism and still not truly know Jesus. Those are scary words. But we don't need to be afraid. We just need to open up our hearts to truly know Jesus and be known by him. To truly believe is to know him and to be known by him. Now some people say, yeah, what about Pastor John, that passage where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, hey, what do I need to do to to be saved? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. Aren't we saved by commandment keeping? Isn't that what Jesus taught? The simple answer is no. And if you want a really good reading for this afternoon, just maybe you heard of a book called Desire of Ages. If you don't have it, we have some we can give to you. But there's a chapter in there entitled uh, One Thing Thou Lackest. One Thing I Forgotest. (laughs) It's on the rich young ruler and there's a beautiful answer in there. Uh, But let me give you a simple answer. Or... It's More complicated than no, less than that chapter. Basically, there's plan A and plan B for salvation. Plan A is to perfectly keep the law. And how many of you are still working with plan A? Right? So, if you've sinned, which the Bible says you have, plan A doesn't work for you anymore, right? So now there's plan B, which is accept the sacrifice. Now, obviously, we we want to... Try and still keep God's law. And we'll talk more about that, right? Uh, Jesus said, John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Saving always should lead to obeying. But basically, this rich young ruler was thinking that he was doing good on plan A. Jesus said, keep the commandments. He's like, check, I've done all of those things since I was a kid. I have a good record. Until you realize that you're failing on plan A, you don't realize you need plan B. The salvation through grace by faith. The, the salvation given by Jesus. Jesus was trying to help this guy realize you're holding on to your riches and your wealth. You have not surrendered and you think you're okay. That's not okay. He was trying to provoke that in his mind, I believe. So we're saved only by the blood of Jesus. Never by our own works. We were created to do good works, of course, but as a result of what Jesus has done in our hearts. Point number four, salvation is relational. John 17, 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Matthew 25, the the wise and foolish virgins, those who were shut out of the wedding feast, They're like, hey, let us in, let us in. And the the person from the inside says, I tell you, I don't know you. To truly believe is to truly know and to be known by Jesus. Point number one, Jesus is divine. Point number two, the world needs saving, Jesus taught. Number three, Jesus said, I'm the way. Salvation is only through Jesus. Number four, salvation is relational. And five, this is the last major point. Salvation is available to everybody who believes. Everybody. Jesus said in John 12, 32, I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Doesn't matter who you are, Jesus wants to draw you and call you. John 3, 16, that whosoever believes, even if they're Republican or Democrat or Independent, or Green Party, or, or Communist. Yeah. No matter where you're coming from, politically, or socially, or economically, Jesus wants to save everyone. Amen? Now, once you're saved, it might start shaping the way you view the world. And I'm not even going to begin to get into that. Right? By the way, there are some people, some Christians who identify themselves politically before religiously. You know, like, and, and, and I've heard about this even, even locally, people who won't talk to other people because of their political stance. Boy, Jesus didn't say they'll, that people will know that we're Christians by who you vote for. He said by your love. It'll be evident. And if we can't lovingly disagree, and we probably ha- haven't lovingly accepted, like we need to, our Savior, because he should shape our worldview. Um, sure, we should be involved, but let's be Christians before anything else. You know, my friend, one of my good childhood friends, he he has a very difficult life situation, and he lives with his parents in side-by-side trailers. Uh, they're not divorced. They just are separated, but they, they live side by side in trailers. Um, don't have a lot of money. Don't have a lot uh, of stuff. Uh, recently, the well, I guess it was a year or two ago. The landlord of the trailer park was trying to kick them out of the trailer park because of a lot of issues. And but Kira, my friend, man, my friend was saying hey, but we need to pray for this landlord because his wife has cancer, and I want to pray for them. So here he is saying, the people that are trying to kick us out, trying to get rid of us, do these different things that aren't nice, he's saying, we need to pray for them. And I said, wow, that's an awesome attitude to have for somebody who's trying to do you wrong. And he said, well, John, I'm a Christian first before I'm a tenant. Christianity defines, first of all, who I am, before these other things. So salvation is available to all and it's supposed to transform our lives. Jesus said, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit. As we believe, it starts to do something. It plants a seed in our heart that starts to work out in the fruits of the Spirit and good things. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe Will be condemned. Is baptism important? It's absolutely important. But the water isn't what saves us, it's Jesus that saves us, and our belief that leads us to follow him and make this public stance. But belief is essential, and that belief leads us to things. Truly, truly, John 5:24, I say unto you: whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death. Into life. John 6:40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have life. We look and then we live. Just like in John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus talked about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. They looked with the eye of faith and they let that healing take place in their life. What does it mean to believe? Because we know that the demons know about God. They believe that God exists intellectually. Belief, when you look it up, it's more like entrusting your life into the hands of Jesus. That whosoever entrusts their life into the hands of Christ will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you entrusted your life today? Today? in the hands of Jesus. Because Jesus says, he also said, John 15, I want you to be connected and I want you to stay connected. I want you to abide. And when you do that, good things are going to happen. It's been said uh, by Martin Luther, the great reformer, the life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. It's one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It's quite another thing to say He is my Savior and my Lord. The devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second. Number one, Jesus is divine. Number two, the world needs saving. Number three, Jesus taught he's the only way to salvation. Number four, salvation is relational. And number five, it's open to all who will accept, who will believe, who will entrust their lives into the hands of Jesus. And he has good hands. State Farm claims to have good hands, right? (laughs) Much better to be in the hands of Jesus. And that's no slight on State Farm. I, you know, whatever. (laughs) So in a nutshell, what's salvation? In 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 the words and teaching of Jesus, it's entrusting your life into the hands of Jesus. Back in 1830... There was a man named George Wilson who was convicted of robbing a mail person. (coughs) Serious business. Stealing U.S. mail, and he was sentenced to death. Don't steal mail. It's bad. President Andrew Jackson decided that they were going to issue a pardon for this man. Let's not kill him. Let's give him a pardon. The pardon was written and was delivered, but Wilson refused to accept it. He said, I'm not gonna accept this pardon. I am going to die. So then they took the matter to the Chief Justice Marshall, who concluded, well, if Wilson rejects it, Wilson's gonna be executed. A pardon is just a slip of paper, this Chief Justice wrote, the value of which is determined by the acceptance or by the rejection of the person to be pardoned. If it's refused, it's no pardon. But if it is accepted, or George Wilson must be hanged if it's refused. For some, the pardon comes too late. For others, he said, the pardon is not accepted. So today, a simple message on the salvation offered to all, and the question I have is, are you gonna accept it again today? each day. Have you accepted the pardon? Are you going to be like Wilson and say thanks but no thanks? In your bulletin you should have received a card. If you didn't get a card just raise your hand. I want the deacons to pass out one to everybody just to respond. When we talk about this subject we can't not respond in this type of way. Just raise your hand. I don't know about in the mother's room. Let's make sure everybody can have one. Um because we want to give an opportunity for people to respond to the simple and beautiful truth of salvation. Just raise your hand, keep it up, if you hadn't received one. Yeah. Do you need one in the, in the mother's room? Anybody there? No? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Didn't want to leave anybody out. You know, Dwight Moody, the great preacher was doing a a series in Chicago one year. And he preached a sermon, and he he didn't close with an appeal. He said, I want you to think about these things, pray about it, and next time we get together, you know, we're going to ask for a decision. Well, between then and the next sermon, the great Chicago fire broke out, uh, destroying just all that property and, and all those people. And he thought, man, I will never ever again conclude a sermon without giving an opportunity for somebody to accept Jesus. So take the card. Look at it. Take a pen or pencil. Borrow one from a neighbor if you need one. What's your response to today's message? Number one, I'm so thankful for the gift of salvation through Jesus. If you're thankful for that gift, take a pen, take a pencil, and make a check mark on that line. Number two, I choose to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and desire to live my life according to his word. If you've made this decision before, make it again today. If it's a first-time decision, make it today. Don't put it off. Number three, I once knew God but have drifted away. I want to recommit my life to him. If you feel like you've, you've been gone for a long time and you haven't made this recommitment, today's the day. Make that decision Number four, perhaps there are some of you that are thinking about baptism, wanting to begin preparing for baptism. Or you want to talk to me or somebody about potential rebaptism. Sometimes people want to be rebaptized in certain circumstances. I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to connect you with somebody who can start preparing you for baptism. Number five, maybe you just have some questions you want to discuss about today's topic or something else that's, that's uh, laying heavy on your heart. I'd love to sit down and talk to you. Put your name and your phone number so I can get in touch with you. When you're done with the cards, I'm just going to ask you to turn them over and we'll pass them to the outside aisles. Just put it face down, pass it to the outside aisles and our deacons will will come uh, down the outside and pick them up before we pray. We have such a good message to share. Amen? It's so important for us to be clear in our own hearts about this topic for our own selves but especially so that we can share it. If it's not clear in our own minds, we won't be able to share it with those who need it. I'll give you just another moment. To finish your card, turn it face down and pass it to the outside aisles and we'll have the deacons pick up the cards here. Yeah, just to the outside aisles. Let's bow our heads and seal these decisions with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can be saved and that we are saved if we've accepted your gift Lord bless those who are recommitting themselves to you bless those first time decisions and those people that want to come back to you bless those who are interested in baptism Lord and and those that want to share this truth with others I pray that we will have opportunities to share the hope and joy that's in our hearts so I pray you'll seal these decisions Bless us as we go from this place, and may we walk out knowing that you saved us, you love us, and that you're coming back for us soon. This is our prayer, in Jesus' name, amen.